Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact, especially in our industry. Today's guest is Jeff Cook. So first, let me thank you, Jeff, for joining us and sharing your story and your backgrounds, your experiences, and all of your ideas. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm excited to have you. This is going to be fun because we're former colleagues, but we didn't work that closely together when we were working for the same company. So I don't know you that well on a personal capacity level. So this is going to be a, a total adventure. I guess we, we haven't had conversations outside of a shot of Jägermeister. Is that <laughs> right? Saying? We don't, we don't, when do we get personal? <laughs> we always talk business. We always talk work, right? Well, that's because we're both passionate people about what we do, I think. It's true. You are a very passionate person. I always love that about you, your energy and your enthusiasm for whatever you're doing. You are on it. So I'm... I try. You don't have to try. I think it comes naturally, brother. Neither... Neither drug nor drink induced. It's all just naturally. It is. Naturally it right. is. You're one of those people. You're very lucky. You're an energizer bunny in human form. You're welcome. Thank you. So dive in. Tell uh, what's your background? Like, who are you? Oh man, let's see. So uh, you know, I started out in this industry on the restaurant side. I my first restaurant job was working in a pizzeria Uno's. They opened up in Lake Point Vista, Florida, right across from Disney World. I had just left entertainment there. I brought Got myself here to Orlando to work for Disney as entertainment. I was in the character oh. department many, many, many years what ago. What were you? Yeah, I was uh, uh, Prince Stern. Oh, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> you just made my day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not too many people know that. Obviously, they will now because you have a, a lot of people that listen to your podcast. But I came up here and did uh, worked entertainment and was Prince Charming that. I worked out there many, many years ago back when um, – there were some famous people that worked out there at the time that are not famous, more famous then, but they're famous now. So, uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. But it, but after I left that, I was going to be an actor and I decided, no, I'm going to go back to school and, and not be an actor anymore. But my first job in the restaurant business was working for Nuno's. So I, the only position they had open was in the back of the house, in the heart of the house, right? So I, after I won uh, fastest pizza making after two weeks on the line, I realized that I was a front of the house guy. I'm not a back of the house guy. So uh, <laughs> then I decided that I'm going to be a server and a bartender. And that's kind of where yeah. it started from there. So working for a number of chains, which has lent itself to national accounts, but uh, worked for, you know, Bennigan's, um, my, my first bar gig, my first bartending shift. Whenever I uh, meet a famous mixologist from the Duffs all the way down to, you know, Charles Julie and that, I would say, hey, what was your what was your first shift as a bartender? And they say, well, I did this or that or the other. Or I was a bar back and I could pull off the floor. So. My first shift when I was training and my first solo shift myself was service bar at a Bennigan's on St. Patrick's Day. That is drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, it's trial by fire. Um, I had green beer under my fingers for a week to die. I couldn't get out, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And and back when um, I worked at that Bennigan's, that was the heyday of Bennigan's, right? In the, in the Mm -hmm. the nineties and uh, late nineties. And that's when Ryan Reynolds, you know, yeah. and Che Rivera started that movie Waiting, which was actually filmed at a Bennigan's in Orlando. A couple guys from UCF, where I grew up to college, uh, uh, wrote the movie with all those stars in it. If you ever worked in a bar or a restaurant, let me tell you, you know the movie Waiting because that's exactly it how so, it is. Anna Ferris and all so those guys. So close to reality. It's uncanny. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Um, I think I worked with all of those so characters. So worked through there. <laughs> <laughs> Every single oh one gosh, of them. We have. And it's funny. I, I don't think Ryan Reynolds likes talking about that movie from what I understand in his interviews that the biggest star at that point in time was Che Rivera. Um, but Dak Shepard was in I it. Know. Like, I mean, it had so I many know. people were in that movie. So many famous people. If you haven't watched it in a while, I highly recommend you go and do it. If you work in this. Yeah, industry. it should be, it should be a training video for our industry. Cause if, if, if any part of this 100%. upsets you or offends you, you're not in the right business. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. But you know what? It doesn't have the same effect for somebody that ever worked no, behind a bar or worked a host stand or, or worked in yeah. the, the heart of the house. They don't get it. People watch it. I know it's funny, but they don't understand like just how, you know, the, 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 the going out to somebody's house and drinking yep. afterwards or going to get breakfast, you know, if you work, I worked in the place, Bennigan's was the place that people went after their shift, yep. you know, so 
So, you know, macaroni grill down the street would close or, you know, one of the other restaurants, they'd come there and drink after a shift. But uh, we had a Friday's right across from us. And um, it's funny how incestuous our industry is because Michael Bombard, who owns Straight Up Solutions, he, his wife and I worked together at that Bennigan's and he worked across the street as a bartender mm-hmm. at the Friday's. Yeah. At the same time, it was crazy. Um, anyway, so, you know, went to a couple different places, uh, ended up at a Carabas, opened up the first Carabas, got to meet Johnny and Damien. When they came in, they were still opening stores at that point in time. And uh, my last gig was uh, with a company called Houston's, yeah. which is, you know, now George Beale has changed the name to Hillstone for various reasons. And I spent seven years there uh, working in every capacity, starting out as a server and uh, worked in the back of the house bartender and left as an operations manager. And that's when I made the jump to distributors and a feet in the street guy and where I am now with national accounts. Very cool. Yeah, I love. So this is like everything. This is your entire route line, right? You went from Prince Charming directly into the industry and you've been here ever since and just kind of working your way through the various capacities in our business. So you really understand how we function. I, I try. I try. And you know, when I when I, I sit here and I look at trying to work in the national account scene and work with, you know, some of the people that you and I work with, for instance, you know, like uh, um, American Social or, you know, Blue Sushi, something on those lines. I, I think about on the restaurant level, what do the servers and the bartenders and the managers have to deal with and how hard is it going to be if, you know, we're making a cocktail or putting something on the list or, you know, I try to think about the guests because I've always said it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, when someone goes into your restaurant, they are not test driving you. They're not trying you on to see if you fit. They've made a conscious mm-hmm. buying decision to spend money, right? So you've got to put your best foot forward. And if I come in and, and try to work with your team and put something in that I don't think is going to be a right fit, it's just, it hurts the ethos of who they are as a yeah. brand. And that's, that's not how I like to, my route to market. Yeah. So. That's what I, that's what I do when I do PMEX evaluations for new or existing clients. I, I tell them, I'm like, tell me how this fits your brand exactly, because it seems a little bit like a disconnect. Um, and it's interesting because I just had, um, I did a PMIX review for, for a company that I don't work with. I gave away free PMIX reviews for people who attended my Evolve <laughs> session, right? Um, so I, I don't know if you tuned into that one because I couldn't see all the people that were in it. But um, so at the end of my session, I thanked everybody for tuning in. I was like, I will give you a free PMIX review for your account or your restaurant or nice. whatever, just to help you out for free, no strings attached. And I was reading through the one of the menus that I got and they had spelled like things wrong, like basic things like turmeric. Um, and I was like, Ooh. okay, um, you definitely, I can't, I can't stress the important. And it's funny because I even talked about it in my session. I can't stress the importance of hiring a proofreader or a copywriter to do your menu. <laughs> they will guide you. It is an investment that you can't afford not to make. You have to do it. It's gonna cost you a few hundred bucks. Always do it. Always do it. Because think about how, how expensive it is to produce guess... a menu and then reprint it when you notice you spelled something wrong. You can spend a few hundred bucks and save that up, up front. And I was like, I would, can I, can, I, can I go through your menu and give it back to you? <laughs> like yeah, oh gosh you know i mean if you never wonder you always want to think that if a guest comes in they see something misspelled that maybe they wonder that well what's going on with exactly. the rest of the restaurant? there's no attention you know, to the detail the they miss um, something they're not paying attention yeah exactly it completely starts to erode the brand and and restaurants right now can how- afford that much less than <laughs> ever right how long did it take you to learn how to spell Jägermeister? It took me a hot minute. I'm not going to well, lie. Well, and that was the example that I used in my <laughs> session, too, because I was like, it's not J-A-E. It's J-A with the umlaut over the A. And I'm like, and I would get like J-A-G-G. I would get everything on menus. And I'm like, and sometimes I'd get them after the fact. And I'm like, hey, brand review. Brand review. Send it to everybody before you print it. Now, look at this. Right. The bean right. counters are not going to be happy. No, menus are no, not No, they're not. <laughs> and, and if you want me to pay for my share for the marketing support, please make sure that my brand is spelled correctly and that my cocktail has no errors in it and 
that I'm putting my best foot forward. Hundred <laughs> percent. So totally, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a it's a pet peeve of mine, and I can walk into any restaurant and find their spelling errors within a matter of seconds if they exist. I was literally sitting, and this was like 15 years ago, sitting with the buyer, and I think it was Margaritaville at the time, and I was sitting with the buyer at the time at Margaritaville in Vegas, and I was like, whoa, dude, spelling errors on your menu, and he's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, he's like, we just sat down. I was like, yeah, it's, they're obvious. <laughs> And he was like, ah, oh, oh like, yeah, gosh. that's really expensive. You guys didn't hire a proofreader. And this is like, I was like 28. I probably shouldn't have been so vocal about it, but I don't like care. Three or three or four years ago, I think, as I recall. <laughs> right? You're funny. You're funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... You know, I'll, I'll sit in a, in a restaurant, like I'll, I'll go in on a, on a weekday and grab lunch or something like that. Back when we did that before this year. And I have an uncanny ability to do the same thing, not with the menus, though. I'll pick out the sales reps. Oh, it's a sales rep coming in from Cisco ah! or <laughs> there's someone coming in from a liquor company. They always kind of have the same look and general feel about them. Like, you know? like they're casing the joint? <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, a little bit. And if they have a tie on and maybe a laptop or an iPad, you'd think that you were going to get robbed. I or think it's because you can see their eyes work the entire space. Like they are looking for their brand, they are looking for errors, they are looking for some semblance of their product or, or, or their service or whatever it is. Their their eyes are darting everywhere. That's that's well it's I almost think. it's almost like you can see the ones those are the good ones. It's the ones though that like you can see the differences in them. The ones that sit there and expect that the buyer's just gonna come over yeah. to them. And you know, it's like they're holding court or something on those right. lines. <laughs> they they crack me up. Yeah, well, yeah. Those people, mm. they usually don't sell liquor. They sell like <laughs> lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> they all have a just the produce salespeople versus the wine and spirits and even the soda soda teams all have a definite uh, a definite feel to them. Yeah, That's 100% yeah. True. People that sell toilet paper are different than the people that sell liquor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, nothing. No. Nothing against it. It's just we we know how to have fun. Um, we don't talk about two ply. So <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about how you like you got into this. Obviously, we know it's fun behind the bar, but we know it's a lot of work and we know it's all it's a really high stress job, even though you don't go home and have nightmares about emails you forgot to send. It's totally different um, kind of stress because you're physically exhausted because you're on your feet. So how did you discover like, no, this is actually what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to pursue something else. I don't want to find a different career field. I want to stay in this and I want to grow in this. What was that like? So, you know, it's, it's funny you ask me that because <clears throat> I would kind of, when I was a feed the street guy, so I worked for, for two distributors uh, and had sales routes, you know, before I decided to make the jump to the supplier side. And uh, I did that because as much as I value my distributors and enjoy who they are and um, what they do, um, I didn't want to be a sales manager and then move up, you know, within the ranks of the distributor side. So I, I worked for Premier Beverage at one point in time, which is now Breakthrough, mm -hmm. and I worked for R&DC, uh, both as Feet and the Street Guy. And when other refs would come in, um, I, I kind of had this, like, philosophy to myself. I said, listen, it's going to take you – because this is what happened to me. It's going to take you about six months to kind of – if you're really good and you ramp up, if you've come in from outside the industry – and some of the best sales reps in this industry are former bartenders mm -hmm. and servers. But also at the same point in time that the flip side of that is some of the best, some of the worst are not because maybe they just couldn't make that transition. This is on the distributor yeah. side, right? The distributor feed the street teams. So I said, it's going to take you six months, probably going to be about a year before you ramp up. If you make it a year, you're going to make it three. And then at three years, you're going to have a crisis of conscience. And it's going to be like, do I really want to do this anymore? I don't want to, you know, this is so much stress, so much pressure. Do I continue to want to be a sales rep or be in the alcohol or, or wine or beer industry? And then it's like, okay, yeah, I do. I'll give it a little bit longer. And then if from that point, if you make it five years, yeah. you know, in some former yeah. capacity, in my opinion, in this industry, if you can make it five years, then in some form, shape, or fashion, you're going to be tied to this yeah. industry. It's a very hard, in my opinion, once we get bit and once we see the impact we can make, and, and that goes without standing. Like, you know, oh, you, you, you want a Bacardi Big Apple trip. You get to go to New York and, you know, you're spending all this money and they're putting you up in a nice hotel or, oh, you put a pool in because you had a, 
a promo, you know, you sold so many X number of cases and, and you made 20 grand. Or, I mean, I've still got a, a Panasonic flat screen. I won from Quantro back, you know, in 2008, yeah. right? Um, but that being said, in some form or fashion, you'll be, you'll be in this industry because you enjoy it and yeah. you love it. So that's really what it was for me. Like, it took me about six months to get ramped up. Then at about three years, I'm like, oh, this sucks. My boss is always yelling at me. You know, I can't seem to place this new placement of whatever liquor or wine they wanted. That was the hottest thing since mm-hmm. sliced bread. And they always you know, are. For years. <laughs> they always are. Number They're one. like, it's okay, Kachasa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kachasa still hasn't hit. And they've been telling us that for 15 years. Because it totally So I said, Kachasa, <laughs> Kachasa, Absinthe, and Rosé were the things that were going to hit. And it literally was. Rosé didn't hit for at least 12 to 15 years after they said it was the hottest thing since sliced bread. You know, I mean, I read a stat once, what, that like 91% of all new spirits fail within the first like 18 months of introduction, Mm. something on those lines. So you're always out there pushing the next newest, latest, and greatest thing. Well, if you take that and you take a step back and then you do what we do now and you look at trends and you look at where people are going in in, in their life and how the industry is changing, then you're able to actually kind of not have a magic eight ball necessarily, but you can kind of see the way things go and you can kind of dictate that to yeah. an extent. You know, when you do wine lists or I do a wine list or something on those lines, I'm, I'm asked, you know, it has to be when I worked at, at Houston's as an example, when you put your list together, you want to have a good mix, right? You want to have that person that comes in and says, Oh, and of course I'm going back to my Houston's days now, you know, early two thousands, I can order a bottle of Blackstone because I know that wine before it was proliferated to where it is now. I know it's in my grocery store, but I know I'll pay a little bit more for it, but I'm also not making mistakes and doing yeah. additions. So that allows them to say, hey, I can order that bottle of wine because you know what? If I don't know any wine on the list, I'm just going to order a Bud Light, and there's no gross profit in Bud Light. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, they don't make any money. And the same thing that happens with, with those people that come in for Discovery, which, by the way, is where I think we are now, especially after COVID, is that they want to come in and look what Bullet Bourbon did. You know, when I was working with Diageo and those teams and they worked on Bullet Bourbon, they didn't do one ounce of advertising for that bourbon the first five years it was on the market because they wanted it to be word mm-hmm. of mouth. Hey, look what I found. This is really good. Yeah, look, look how cool I am. I discovered this new bourbon you've never heard of. So it's all about discovery. And I think that's where we're going now is about discovery. So really, at the end of the day, that's really what helps drive me is that, you know, this discovery that's going to be going on now because of, of us all being pent up demand with COVID. Um really helps drive me because I want to maybe set trends a little bit in the United States, or I want to introduce people to new ways of drinking that maybe they haven't been able to enjoy in the past. Yeah, no, I think that there's a, there's a definite opportunity and there's, there's a hunger for us to get back out as consumers. Um, I know yesterday and in between appointments and errands, I had the opportunity to go to one of my favorite local restaurants for lunch. And I haven't been there since pre COVID Oh, wow. um, and it just felt so nice to go in to one of my favorite little joints and sit down at the bar and order my favorite sushi roll. It was oh, wow. so nice. And heaven. I was like, God, I've missed this. It's because- heaven. You know, I went into a mellow mushroom uh, the other day and ordered a couple of pizzas. Yeah. Um, and I, they were, they, one had been not made correctly. So I had to sit at the bar for uh, like 15 minutes while I made a second one again. Mm-hmm. And I, I opened up and I, do you want a beer? Yeah. So I had a beer and I just sat at the bar, had my mask on, took it off, to take a sip, put it back on, you know, during that time. But I'm just like, man, I do. I miss it. I miss going yeah. to a bar and watching the activity or chatting up the bartender, which is what I was doing. And, and I, re- I knew that I missed it, but I didn't realize how much I missed it. I'm like, I've got yeah. this void a little bit because that's what we do, right? We, everyone that listens to your podcast or that we see at all these conferences we go to or, that you help, you know, on, on the side of, of, of all the people you work with at the end of the day, we all have this little part of us that maybe sets us apart from others that mm-hmm. wants us to be able to be connected to this industry. And I think that really sums up what you were asking earlier, you know, the people who are successful in our roles, especially on the supplier side, we get our hands dirty. We get yeah. out there and we mix it up with people. We have no problem building a display or, or, you know, um, loading in cases or doing the work that is required yeah, in order to, to get the job done. And the ones who aren't just kind of sit back in their office and let everyone else kind of just dictate how their business is going to go. And that's not, that's not how you or I definitely work for sure. No, no. And that doesn't interest me because my favorite thing is always the engagement piece of it. Whether I was 
training um, bartenders on behalf of the corporate entity or setting up a trade show booth, whether it's at, mm-hmm. like a, an industry conference or like a GM conference. It doesn't matter. I was always so excited to create an experience that helped me meet more people because um, I'm, I'm always looking for another best friend. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly taking <laughs> applications. You know this about me. That's true. That's true. I, my strangers oh my are gosh. just people that I haven't yet, you know, become best friends with. And you, you're going to have to really, really piss me off in order to not be my best friend. Um. Well, and, and like we were saying earlier <laughs> that this business is so incestuous, you know, you never know who. And, and that's part of it, too. You've got to have a good reputation. You know, you got to do what you say you're going to do and you, and you got to have people that maybe you didn't work with them or directly, but 15 years down the road, you're in a room with them and maybe one of you is sitting on the other side of the desk and, and they say, they ask somebody else about you and say, hey, you know, I don't want to hear, oh, that Christy's a really great girl. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear the good and the bad and, you know, yeah. who, what makes them, what makes them tick. And, and as you mentioned, don't, I mean, there's times you got to put your foot down, right? You do because yeah. you don't want to get walked all over. But yeah. at the same point in time, you got to have a good reputation. And you just got to be, and that's a general rule for life, right? Just be kind to people in general, because that's how exactly. we were created. And that's what we were supposed to, that's what we're put on this earth to do is, is make sure that we treat each other the way we want to be treated. Yeah. Spread happy, not sad. Come on now. Right. Especially 100%. this year, you know, I mean, we could all use a little extra happy this year. Um, oh my gosh. Well, let's, well, let's hope it was last year, actually. Let's just not say this year because I don't want to do much more of this knocking on wood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank God I've got this big wooden desk that I sit behind so that I can <laughs> knock all day. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. Like when, when I want, you know, I, I get referrals all the time for, you know, companies that are looking for what I do. And and that pleases me to no end, because even if I don't get the business, I know that someone is out there saying something good about me. And that means that I've done something mm-hmm. right. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's critical because I've always like, I've always put my credibility at the premium for no matter what, people may not like how much I curse, <laughs> you know, I've got a sailor mouth, but they know that I do what I say I'm going to do and I'm going to work until the job is done and I'm going to put their interests ahead of my own. That's what, that's what I think they all know um, in spite of the cursings. But um, I hope that at the end of the day, people are saying, you know, she will work her ass off until it's done. That's, that's it. And I think that that's what people say about you is because like when, when I've described you to people that don't know you, I've always said, Oh my God, he has got so much enthusiasm. He will, he is, he's always right. Like he's there, he's ready to go. He never says no, he's going to get it done. And he's really, it's, it's contagious. And it's a little exhausting to watch because you're like, how do you possess this much energy? A hundred percent. But that's what you, that's what you're working for. Right. But that's, that's part of your nature. So I'm just giving you a compliment to let you know that like what, how hard you're working and investing in yourself. It's visible. People see it from the outside. Well, I appreciate that. I started in this industry a little later in my career. You know, I've been in the business a really long time, right? But I started a little bit later. And one of the guiding forces, there's two guiding forces for me. Um, you always have to continue to better yourself. There's always someone out there that's better than you are. And if you try to take something from them and, and integrate that as to who you are, and, and secondly, it's always about transferring that spark. Yeah. So, you know, some of the brands I've had in the past may not have been the most um, glamorous brands. They may not have been in the top 10 in the entire world or something on those lines. But if you can transfer that spark and find a need and why it's a good mm-hmm. fit, then I think that's when you build, you build trust, right? I mean, how many times, again, we're going to mention the, probably the name of it again. We're going to definitely need a shot after this. And by the way, if no one's had a sh- any had conversations with with christy lawler over shots i definitely recommend that that's a fun evening <laughs> thank you tequila jaeger doesn't make a difference what it is just you know tito's i don't care just have a shot with her because if you get a chance to see her out on the road with a shot that's that's a oh, good time thank you. Oh, um, God. My reference it is like bring an extra pair of socks no because you never know where you're gonna go <laughs> and a snake bite uh, no <laughs> it's about transferring that spark yeah. though and whether it's in and whether it's in, in what you do for a living or whether it's a, a passion you have for, you know, saving the, the, the branded woodpecker or whatever it is, it's about transferring that spark. Yeah. And, 
And, you know, you've heard the saying, I've heard it too. If you find a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, I agree with that to an extent, but you know what? I work hard. Yeah. You work hard. Actors, you know, musicians, they work hard to stay on top, you know, uh, and to stay relevant. So the same thing goes for us. So yeah, we may really enjoy our job, but it's still a job. Yeah. You know, we're still busting, busting our tail. You know, I had a, everyone was dreaming about the lotto, right? Oh, if I win this or win that or this and that and the other, you know, if I won like three or four million bucks in the lottery, you know, I, I do what I want to do and get, get a car, put some towards, you know, cousins uh, or nephew and nieces, college funds and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I'd still work. Yeah. I still have this job because I love yeah. this job. It would just be a little easier to, you know, take better vacations. That's all. Right. <laughs> or, and probably not even more of them knowing your work ethic. No. I've, I've thought the same thing. Just a like, better I know exactly what I would do if I struck gold, right? I know. I, I have an idea for a museum that I want to build in Houston. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Nothing to do with what I do. Oh, but I would, I would do that and I would do it by like hiring the right people to start it. And then I would focus on, you know, CJL, the Witty Group and Jab Mixology because that's where my heart is, right? But I've had this idea of what I want to do for my city and my community that's completely separate from what I want to do for my industry. But but what kind of museum? What's um, going to so be So I've already named it. Now. It's the okay. Heart Museum. It's the uh, Heart is an acronym. It stands for like the um, Houston um, ex Oh God, what was it? It's Heart. But it's for the repurpose and transitional artwork that people create from our history of the oh, city. Cool. Um, and I want it, and I've already picked the space where I want to build it and everything. I know the building I want. I know everything. And I've, I've even, like, years ago, I reached out to the owner of the building, and I was like, here's what I want to do. Would you be interested in repurposing this building for this? And he's like, no. No. <laughs> no, I want to turn it into high-end condos. And I'm like, well, that's boring. You suck. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Isn't that crazy? This is this is what I do. I come up with these ideas and then I'm like, I'm going to go do this now. Um, which is kind of how CJL, the witty group and Jab Mixology were all born. It's just one more idea that pops into my head that I'm going to pursue. So it's exhausting. Right. Um, so then let me <laughs> ask you a question. Okay. For me, if, if someone were to say to me, Jeff, if you weren't doing this and you wanted to do something, yeah. but uh, what would it be, right? Like, what That's do you think? That's one you of the so questions I'm about to ask you. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, okay. Well, I'm going to tell Hi. you right now. So, because I'm going to ask you the same question here in a second. So, for me, I think the two roles that I would want to do is either I'd like to be an AM, uh, uh, an FM morning show talk show host. Okay. Or a NASCAR driver, a race wow. car driver. That's what I'd like to do. That's what I would would have done. I mean, maybe be an attorney, but that's not as fun as what the other two things no, I just told you. That's so, fun. You know. TV makes that look like. <laughs> what about fun. you? Okay. I know. It does. I, my career goal was to be like a videographer, like for CNN or, you know, MSNBC, Fox, something like that. Like I wanted to be the person that was sent to like a war zone to take pictures or something like that. Uh, awesome. That didn't happen, obviously. And it turns out I'm not good behind a camera. So there's that. Um, <laughs> no skill whatsoever. So, um, no, I think I would want to be a travel writer. I would want to eat really cool. and travel my way through every culture there is in this world and then tell the story about it. That's neat. That's really cool. I like that. Thank you. I like yours too. Uh, if, <laughs> well, you know, now, granted, if I had won half a billion dollars, uh, the, the answer would have changed a little bit because, I mean, obviously anybody, you know, can, can do being an attorney, but uh, if I want half a billion dollars, then in this last lotto, I would want to start a company where uh, you go out besides charities. Mm -hmm. Obviously I've got a charity in mind that I want to start down the road and I haven't, haven't done that as of yet, um, but I've got an idea for it, but um, have a company where you go and you buy old cars mm -hmm and uh period cars and like you know gremlin or something on those lines and and then you you rent them out to movies so then you can oh. have your car collection but then write it off at the same point in time it's, it's kind of brilliant <laughs> it's kind of brilliant you know my dream car is like a 19 uh mid 60s to early 70s vw bus i want one so bad 
That's a great car. They're fantastic. They're my favorite thing ever. And I really want to be the crazy woman that rolls around the burbs in a massively pimped out 65 <laughs> VW bus. Now, if it says Jam Mixology on the side, I think it's perfect for your Right? <laughs> oh, my God. What a write-off. Yeah, my company isn't that liquid There yet. you go. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yep. But, yeah, that's, that's so funny. Okay, so if you start that, will you please get a VW bus into your, um, into your uh, oh, garage 100%. so that I can play with it? I'll just fly down. You'd want to have around. the big ones. You don't have the big famous cars, you know, and the Bugattis and all that kind of stuff, right? That but at the same point in time, yeah. you want to have the ones that people don't think about, you know, like, like uh, you know, you want to have like a, a, a 93 Celica, you know, <laughs> or something on those lines that people like, oh, we need a 93 Celica because our character drives one before she hits it big with her, you know. That's awesome. Uh, before she hits it big with her her uh, invention yeah. or whatever it is, whatever the movie plot is. But I mean, you want to have some of those cars too, and and some of them, you know, you're gonna have to restore yeah. and that sort of thing. Well, but especially uh, if you can yeah, find when you win the big Celica. money. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to you have to bring it back to you life gotta, <laughs> at that point in time. Me. But I got the idea because where did they find a, a, a an AMC Pacer for you know Wayne's World? Well, somebody had to have one. Yeah, you know, so that's kind of what I was thinking about since that movie came out that long ago. oh my gosh i love that idea though that's a super fun idea i hope you win the lottery because i want to come down to florida and drive <laughs> all of the cars that you um amass in your collection That'd be i awesome. love old cars even the crazy looking ones i love them all they're my favorite um As yeah my I. parents have a 62 corvette that um oh. yeah um and my oldest boy got into it because he's really into cars right now and he got into it and he was like oh my god he's like this is amazing I didn't know grandma and grandpa had one of these and I'm like grandma and grandpa oh, have like on. every car that was ever made practically I mean they have a tank my parents own a tank that is a, a little an tank, actual tank like it was in it was it's a British <laughs> tank from the Korean War and it That's we awesome. rode on it when we were visiting for Christmas. Um, That's amazing. It's crazy. Okay. And so he's like, okay, the tank is cool, but this Corvette is amazing. So then my dad calls and he's like, I should have taken Keegan for a ride. And I'm like, yes, take the top down and take my child for a ride around the neighborhood. So I guess they're, they're going to go back for a few weeks over spring break. And um, they've promised to give Keegan a ride in all of their classic cars. Um, because they have like a 56 Metro. Have you ever heard of this? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, neat. The Metropolitan. Yeah. That's exciting. So I don't even know if that thing comes out of the back storage in their backyard. But um, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be like Disneyland for my child. But <laughs> I, I want to come. <laughs> when are they going? I know, sure. right? Not just for your child. I know. <laughs> I, if my parents would just get really, really cool and get a VW bus. I'd be fully on board. Like, I love the vet, but I want the bus. They're not there yet. I'm so sorry to hear that. But what anyway. colors are going to be, by the way? Psychedelic colors or something to put the jab mixology? Yeah. My bus? Oh, yeah. No, it'll be my uh, my jab mixology, Woody, and TJL Blue. That, that See, feels, you're already thinking. Yeah. You want to write it off. There you go. With white trim. Oh, well, it's my favorite color. I'm a blue girl. So everything is that blue. And plus, once you're once you're branded... And you create subsidiary organizations. They have to be on brand to be familial. So, I mean, I was kind of stuck with the CJL logo that came first with whatever I did after that. Um, but it's a good thing because it's my favorite color. I learned color, that so. a long time ago yeah. working in, in trade marketing and uh, trade development and that, um, that you yeah. need to have, you know, something the same across all types of platforms. So I um, yeah. was doing... Social, a lot of social media at the time. I do less now because I'm so busy doing other things, but I do have a handle and it's the Liquor Geek, right? So it's if you go to Google and you type in the Liquor Geek, it's like the top five searches organically that come up. But it's like, there's a Facebook Liquor Geek, there's an Instagram Liquor Geek, there's a Pinterest Liquor Geek, there's a, you know, all, all Tumblr Liquor Geek, all these Liquor Geeks. And, and I haven't done a lot with it, a little bit. I've got a website. I pay $25 every two years to keep www.theliquorgeek.com available on GoDaddy. So it's mine. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a, uh, a static page. It's just, you know, a picture and that sort of thing. And that's it. But, but, it, but at the same point in time, if I ever down the road, 
get onto your side or, you know, want to do more with it, then I will have owned this.com still and have all of this yeah, content that I'm sure. posting for, you know, five, 10, 15 years, whatever it is down the road out of the liquor geek. Uh, but that, to your point, that's yeah. a, that's really smart. So you want to keep it cohesive across the board and, and how many of our brands over the yeah. years, spirits or wine, have we seen that don't get that message? They don't understand. And that lends itself again into Hey, you know, we sold 30 cases in Manhattan exactly. last year. We are the hottest spirit in Manhattan, let me tell you. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, well, Geke Khan, that's a, that's a shining example of a brand that was a legacy brand. And you the, the, the packaging was right. so off right. from each other. I mean, nothing familial. Finally, when they did the line extensions on Zapang, there were, at least it was the same packaging, same branding, but I was like, it's all Khan. It needs to be familial. There needs to be, and if they don't want to do it in Japan, they needs to do it for I the think that, you know, audience. that's my brand. Did you know that? There needs to be a repackage. Yeah, you I have still Saros. have that it now? Went from, it went from, from you right. know, Sydney Frank when Jägermeister came in, and, and it went from them. So it's a Shah Ross. So I've been working Khan for a couple of years now. I've been in this role two years after uh, I left Jägermeister in national accounts, and and they're doing well. Can I tell you something? This is what's amazing about, about who we are just in general as, as, a, as a consumer in the United States. Like six out of the top 10 Nielsen rated sakis are Gekigan. And they don't do any advertising. They yeah. don't do anything. Yet they consistently sell. It's good it's like style. 40% of the sake in the United States sold as Gekigan, but they don't put a dime towards marketing. Yeah. That amazes me. When it comes to when you think about and that's a good example you can use for some of the other clients when you think about, you know, how much money people put into things or we, we bought a Bugatti and we're going to drive the Bugatti around the, you know, around the country and people are going to see it and they want to buy our brand or, you know, something on those lines. And yet you have brands like this that don't yeah. do any advertising. And there's some competitors in that market, yeah. right, in the sake market, and they're killing it. And they have yeah. been for like 30 years. Now, granted, they're 29 or 30 year uh, 30th generation run at this point. But still, I mean, you know, and then talk about trying to change something, try changing 30 generations of this is how we did it. <laughs> We're not going to change it, but, you right? know. <laughs> They're not going to change it. They're not going to change it. Well, and the funny thing is I was, um, I went into my local sushi restaurant and I was talking to the owner and this was a few months back, but I was, I was like, dude, I was like, can I, next time you're going to print your menu, can I just come in and just read it for you? No charge. Just. Yeah, this is what I do, right? I'm just, and he's like, you've been saying this for months. And I'm like, yeah, you want, you need to reprint it. And two, you need to learn how to spell filet mm. mignon. So just let me do this. Yeah, it's really that it bad. It all circles back um, to proofreading. But we were doesn't. talking. <laughs> we started out the conversation yes, that way. Yes, we are oh now. My God. I know it's all about branding with me, but I, I was talking to him about Jab and I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring my stuff in. He's a beer and wine only place. I'm like, okay. I'm going to bring it in already mixed with sake. I'm like, I'm going to use Gekikon. It's a really quality product. You don't carry it. I would recommend that you bring it in. Um, but I went to the liquor store and I bought a bottle of the black and gold. Great brand. And I did my infusions and I walked in and he tried the sake and he was like, oh my God, this is better than anything I sell. And I'm like, yeah. And it, you're paying less for this, by the way. This is an old brand. It has, it's a way better price point and way better quality than what you've got on your menu. I'm like, just FYI, I used to sell this stuff. <laughs> I still, I believe in it. Um, so he's bringing in Gekikon now because of that. Isn't that silly um, though, how we like kind of hook our, our wagon to older to brands that we've had in the past. And some we can just be like, yep, never drinking that again as long as I live. And some we just continue to, to want yeah. to have, you know, I still drink Captain Morgan or something on those lines. And I'll tell you what, I don't drink as much as I used to, but every once in a while, I crave a nice ice cold shot of a particular brown liquid. <laughs> uh, I still have plenty of it. I mean, cases, cases, but it's always in the freezer for every party because people know what's going to be here. But my booze closet is still full. It's quite packed with that well, i think that just so demonstrates how brands can make an emotional connection so if they make an emotional connection for us they can make an yeah. emotional connection with with the the buyer right like i know plenty of people who you know i've got a i've got a friend and and she broke up with tequila in 2005 
<laughs> you know, Halloween. And they've not gotten back together. They don't call each other on the phone. They don't slide into their DMs. You know, that particular person, they don't, they don't do that anymore. But, but, you know, outside of that, though, you can kind of um, – and that's one of the things that I love about what we do for a living. You asked before kind of what drives me and what my passion is, right? Um, it, you, can, you can have a connection to a time that can take you back. Like if I have a, a Captain and Ginger, I remember, you know, back in my days of going to this local watering hole, Miller's Ale House here in Florida, you know, that's kind of got up the East Coast now. And, mm-hmm. and I remember who I was with and what I was doing when I was drinking Captain and Ginger's, you know, at that point in time in my life or – there was a, a bartender that, that died yeah. uh, in New York City, very famous bartender named Tanzo, and he, he did a lot of amazing things in, in craft and mixology up there. He passed away this last year recently, but he, and I'm paraphrasing now, he always said that um, enjoying the cocktail, consuming the cocktail is destroying the art, but you're always left with the beauty of the memory. Hmm. And, and I feel the same way about wine oh. and, and, and beer in that, you know, necessarily not all a mass-produced mm-hmm. lager, but, you know, outside of that, the same thing with wine and any kind of cocktails or spirits, because someone has put their passion and their drive and their energy. I think people forget that, yeah. that spirits may be mass-produced if they're a number one selling brand in their category, but at the same point in time, there's still somebody on the ground using techniques that have been used for hundreds of years mm-hmm. to be able to produce something and put it into a bottle, and it's their time, energy, and passion. And I think people forget yeah, that a little absolutely. bit. That's kind of like how I kind of like to spin things and, and put that light on things when I, in That's, this industry. I like that. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're creating a story around the experience right there too. There's that immediate right. engagement. And I think that's, I think that's a, that's a great idea. That's awesome because you're right. We we get so top line. We don't think about all of the, everything that went into the point where we're now we're having this specific conversation but that's a really cool perspective but I I always like I I've always enjoyed talking with you and like hearing your thoughts and your perspectives on things because you're really (laughs) you're really uh, you're hilarious you're a positive guy though like I've never seen you have a bad day and I'm sure that you have you're normal you're human Last time I asked, yeah, 100%, 100%. Still human. you're not robotic, but <laughs> so I'm wondering if you have like an example of, you know, negative experience or a negative time in your life where you were just like, oh my God, this sucks. I'm done. But looking back, it's something positive. Like you're glad you either went through the experience or learned from it because of how it's shaped <laughs> you now. When you ask that question. So um, it, in, in, on the supplier side of this industry, uh, with the exception of one role I've had over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, I've been laid off from every role. My position has been eliminated. Jeff, you do a great job. We love you, but X, Y, Z, you know, so Russian standard oh, or, uh, you know, working with the Diageo group or Jägermeister, my, my role was eliminated, you know, um, that sort of thing. So it, what I've done, though, is I've taken that experience and I've tried to build upon it and I've always made myself better moving on to the next role. I've always tried to get further, not farther along in my career because, you know, there's a Colin Cowherd uh, sports, uh, sports columnist and radio show guy. If you, if you've listened to any kind of, you know, general AM sports radio or anything like that, he says, you want to chase brands. You don't chase money. And he's talking about sports specifically, yeah. like, you know, Oh, you don't want to, if you're running back for, you know, the Cowboys, you don't want to give up that brand and go to the jets just because the jets are going to offer you $2 million more per year, you know? And I think the same thing mm-hmm. is in our industry too, to an extent, you know, I've got friends who every six to 18 months or every two years, you look on LinkedIn, there's a million of them, you know, they have moved on to another role and it's either mm-hmm. because maybe they think the business is going to be better or <clears> they can't figure out how to get along with their boss or anything on those lines. For me, I've had people mm-hmm. that I don't like working with. I've had supervisors or VPs, that are in charge of my business and what I do on a daily basis. And I've hated it. But at the same point in time, I have ones that I love, but for those ones that I don't like, I try to listen, even though I, we we just are oil and water. I try to listen though and see what they're saying and take something from them. And I've made changes to who I am as a result, even if they're a big fat jerk face. You know, and I can say the same thing, like uh, earlier in my career, uh, my first two bosses that I had in my career were not nice women. They were mean. I mean, downright mm-hmm. nasty mean, like sent me home in tears mean. 
for no reason other than I think it was just, I was young and I was just this crazy little ball of energy and, um, and I had big ideas. Right. And, and I think I was threatening, um, not intentionally, obviously, but I think they were threatened by my level of energy and enthusiasm. And, um, cause they would constantly knock me down from my youth or my inexperience or whatever it was. Right. And then I grew and I had one and fantastic boss after another culminating in Teddy Mac. And he was absolutely the best boss ever. And I will tell everybody this. I'm like, he had my back no matter what. He always, like, if he heard something, he'd call me like, did this happen? And I'm like, well, no, no, I wasn't actually there when that happened. He's like, I didn't think so. It didn't sound like you. But it was, it was, he always had my back. He always cared. He always asked how he could help me do more. And he's like, I just spin you up and watch you run. He's like, it's so easy. He's like, I can give you anything and you never say no. You never bitch or complain or whine. You always are like, how can I help? And when you're done, you come back and ask for more. He's like, we were a great team. And then, of course, he was followed by not nice bosses again. And I was like, wow, and that gap that you see between not nice, amazeballs, not nice again. You're like, I noticed my internal drive and my productivity was so much higher, even though I was always giving my best, regardless of the person that was giving me the marching orders. But when somebody was supporting me with those marching orders, my best was just, there was no limit. I could do anything. So it's interesting that you say that because you're right. You take something, you learn something from everything. hundred percent. But that's a really, really good answer because I think that your answer resonates not just with me, obviously, but with everybody because if we're not growing, what are we doing? Right. Once you stop growing, you're kind of starting to 100%. die. So <laughs> always be looking for that opportunity to take something new with it and go and, and, following following the brand not the money is a great chunk of advice as well I agree with you um and I'm I like that you said that because yeah we've seen you know there are companies that will get their talent by throwing money at the table but there's no engagement there like if you're in it for the money you're not in it for the right Right. reasons right right because the money's not going to last the money can always be better because if they don't have yeah. the infrastructure <clears throat> to support you in the role and support the goals that they want to attain or achieve, then it's not going to, it's just going to be a mm-hmm. fly by night. And you don't want, I try very hard, same thing I do when people ask me to recommend somebody, I try very hard to attach my name to things uh, that I think will be successful. Even if it's something small and no one's ever heard of it mm-hmm. or anything on those lines, you know, I try just to make sure that I am able to uh, work with brands and work with people that I know are going to be able to uh, mm-hmm. one day when we're sitting on the old folks home for retired liquor and wine salespeople and we're sitting in the rocking chair on the porch, you know, say, yeah, I was <laughs> part of that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I mean, I, I highly recommend if someone's going to buy sake, they need well, to call you, <laughs> you and buy Dekakon. <laughs> Just trust me on this, folks. I swear to God, you'll be hard pressed to find someone who cares more about oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, absolutely. So I want to ask you, this is my favorite thing that I always ask, because um, it's really hard to answer, but impossible to get wrong. What would you want the listening audience to know about hmm. you? Besides everything they've already learned. I think I've gone too far. Um, <clears throat> what would I want the listening audience to know about mm. me? So I, that's a, that is a good question. You know, did you, was that on the questionnaire that you sent me beforehand? Was it, I don't, maybe I, yes. oh yeah, it's right there. It's the last one. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's impossible. It's, it's so hard to answer, but it gives so much insight to the person. It is hard to answer. So what I want the listening audience to know about me. Um, I like to be a passionate and fierce friend I am a diehard lover of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, who are America's team. I know people want to fight me on that. Uh, oh my God. Oh <laughs> and my God. at the same point in time, You're so, so bad. Um, it, 
it is hard for me not to have empathy and compassion for everyone, even if it is a BS line that they are feeding me. So I am uh, loyal to a fault, I think. Um, but outside of that, let's just, let's go have a good time. It takes me a day or two to recover longer than it used to. But if you want to have a shot, me, you and Christy, <laughs> we're down, whoever it is, let's go. Uh, can you tell her? Can you tell her when to get to a conference? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I haven't been to one in over a year. Almost. Open invitation. <clears throat> I know. I know. I can't wait to just feel. Uh, go to a conference again. I don't even care which one it is. I just want to sit at the bar and just people watch, and and just engage and talk to everybody who walks by and through on their way to the next meeting or lunch or whatever. I miss yeah. that. But also, God, it was so simple. I think the last time but, I did uh, it was yeah, at Vibe. I was at Vibe, and then I was on a plane at the beginning of March, and that was it for a very short one, you know, one day jump. Um, but at the same point in time, though, it's going to be hard because mm. I have now integrated myself into the family in a way that I hadn't before. And uh, this time that yeah. we received has been amazing. And, you know, I try to look back on, on the time that we've had this last year and maybe five, 10 years down the road when we're going crazy again and say, you know, I, I hope that I used yeah. it productively versus uh, just wasting it. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I've, we've, I've had more time with my kids this year than ever before. I mean, gosh, two, two months into their life, I was back on the road for each kid. So you're right. There is that, that beauty in that, that connection, reconnection. Um, but I think my husband's gotten sick of me. I'm around an awful lot these days. But he's going to miss you when you're gone again. I'm telling you. I think he, I don't know. I think he's got it all figured out now. I think he wants to start enjoying his retirement again without having his wife here. Um, but yeah, so before we shut down, I, I want, um, how do you want people to reach out to you? Oh man. Uh, if they want to learn more, I'll tell you what, uh, my email address is, uh, Jeffrey K O C H at shaw-ross.com. Um, that's the company that I work for and that I love the brands that are uh, part of my portfolio at this point in time. And uh, search me out on Facebook or any of the other. They can reach me at uh, jeff at liquorgeek.com as well. That is a valid email address and I get stuff on that. So love to hook up with anybody that's out there and oh, very looking cool. forward, like I said, to getting back on the road. Oh, me too. It'll be nice. But hopefully, you know, I'll see you soon, I hope, uh, at some point during some of these RFPs that are coming 100%, up. That's yes. exciting stuff to feel like there's something happening again. But I'm so grateful to you for, for coming on the show and, and sharing your history as Prince Charming <laughs> and everything else. I'm so excited because I got to learn so much more about you. And I've always just really loved your personality and the way that you engage with people. But it was very personally rewarding to get to learn more about the, the, the man behind. Well, um, thank you very much. This has been a blast. This is my, <laughs> my first podcast interview. So I'm super excited. I can't wait until it comes out. And, uh, you know, oh, looking forward to doing it. When you run through all of the throngs of people that do want to be on it, I'm looking forward to doing it again one day down the road. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, you're, you're a great guest. Well, you're a great you. interview. So I think other podcasters should definitely have you on the show. You provide a lot of humor and, um, and color. It's easy and when you have an a interview on the other side that does such a great job. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you. And thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream. <laughs>